Hi, this is Jonathan, aka Roadblock, and I play Jonathan the Match Muscular, the Human Wizard. Hi, I'm Jules. I am the rock gnome Bernice Q. Burns. Hi, this is John, aka That Film Guy. I'm going to be playing your half orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks, who was in fact raised by wolves and is too enamored of ale, wine, and other intoxicants. Hi, I'm Jack Edithil, and I'm playing Travancore, a half elf archer and the viceroy of Glenmar. And I am Lauren, aka Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks. Last time on Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks, Greenest is under attack. The party arrives to find guards slaughtered, buildings ablaze, kobolds looting, and a dragon controlling the skies. After a few encounters, they manage to sneak through the town and arrive at the governor's keep, hoping they will find friends in the safety of the castle. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks. I'm your DM Lauren, aka Obocrazy, and I have gone back to an old standard of Jack Daniels with honey, because it makes me happy. Carlton, what are you drinking? Well, I'm actually not in Texas today. I'm in New Jersey visiting family, and so I raided my sister's beer cellar, and I'm drinking mm. a Westbrook Brewing, Westbrook Brewing Company Goza. Hmm. Exciting. And Travancore, how about you? Dear friends, this week I'm not drinking a Crispin Cider. This week I'm drinking two Crispin Ciders, <laughs> because Jonathan loves them so much. Because double fisting is better than single fisting. Jonathan, what are you drinking? Ah, uh, this is Jonathan the Magic Muscular, uh, played by Jonathan the actual person, aka Roadblock, and I'm drinking something that is worth three Crispins, a case of Crispins, if you will, an Ace Perry Cider. It's delicious. It's my favorite thing ever. And yes. <laughs> yes. And and that's a good argument. Yes. 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 Bernie, what are you drinking? Hey, this is Jules, and I play Bernie, and I'm drinking a Mother Earth Brewery Weeping Willow Wit, because that's what we bought for my mom for Mother's Day, so we have lots Aww. of it left over. And happy Mother's Day to all the mothers listening to Dungeons and & Dragons and & Drunks, and, and to our mothers. A few weeks after the fact, but yes. You sexy, that's sexy true. moms. <laughs> yeah, we are recording this the day after Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day. Anyway, you guys have arrived at the Keep. You've been ushered inside by a couple of, of wary guards standing outside the front doors. The doors close behind you with a resounding thud. And you see four more guards at those doors very quickly barring and locking the big heavy wooden doors. Just wary and on edge. The one to your immediate left as you guys enter actually has a little bit of blood running down his temple and looks a little worse for wear, but they they move efficiently and the whole room is kind of eerily quiet for a second. And then as it's obvious that everything is safe again, Talking starts up, and the talking is coming from just dozens and dozens of town folk. You've entered the main castle of the governor's keep, and the last time you were here, you were talking with the governor himself, and it was just kind of this grand entranceway leading to a whole bunch of different rooms, and now it is a refugee center. There are families huddled in different places. You see mothers holding children. You see fathers holding wives. Uh, you see guards circling. Most of the guards that are inside the castle seem to be injured in some way, and as soon as you take a moment and look around, Terrace says... We need, 
we need to find Escobert. We, we need to find the governor and turns to the guard next to her and says, where, where can the governor be found? And he points up to the upstairs area and says, in his chambers. Are they staring at us? Because I mean, like, three, at least three of us look like a small, medium, and large shit monster because only one of us bathed. <laughs> well, you're getting some looks, but at this point, you have been known in the town as this group of adventurers. You've met many of these people. You recognize them from having meals with them at the Running King. You recognize many of the guardsmen from the last time you were here. They recognize you. So you're you're known enough in town that the stairs are not quite so wide-eyed what the hell and more grateful more you know maybe a few curious looks especially at the, the state you're in but as you look around the room there's there's nobody in this keep that is in pristine shape people look injured people look dirty people look like they've scrambled out of their homes some actually have stuff with them some don't so the state you're in isn't really the reason that they are looking at you do I notice in this refugee camp uh, our friends like Dorveen and Leosian? Uh, make a perception check. All right, perception. Uh, unnatural 20. <laughs> As Terrace leads you through the main entranceway and up the stairs um, towards a familiar room where you've actually met Governor Tarbo before, you scan the people that you see. Dozens upon dozens of of men, women, and children of all races of of just in various states, and you you don't see any of your close friends. You don't see Dorveen. You don't see Leosian. You don't see um, uh, Travancore. You've been keeping an eye out for Leia and Jack. You don't see them. You you see people you're familiar with, but you don't see Dorveen. What about Emily? Emily, the uh, the gung ho. Soldier? Um, looking around, you don't see her either. Hmm. What about Soria? No Soria? Nope, you do not see Soria. I don't like that none of our friends are here. As you head upstairs and you head off to the left, you're led back into kind of the great study with the large table. You can see that the room is filled once again, mostly with um, guardsmen and uh, people in armor that are looking in rough shape. These most of these men either have an arm in a sling. Uh, they seem to have been bandaged. They're all standing at their posts or looking ready. Some of them are running back and forth and delivering orders, but they all seem to be injured. At the main table, you do recognize uh, the governor himself. Nigel Tarbo is standing there. Um, he himself actually has his arm his right arm in a sling and is constantly pulling it out of the sling as you walk in to motion to people and a woman next to him keeps gently like pushing it back in next to him is escobert who you did very very briefly meet he is a dwarf shocking red hair red beard he is wearing thick armor and he's got a giant key ring and he is also pointing at a map and as you guys enter everybody looks up and the governor says finally we've been hoping that you guys would come back uh, Orcus is ass. This has been this has been a nightmare. This is this has been, and uh, Escobert puts his arm out and says, "This would have been a lot better if they hadn't let us know ahead of time." And the governor says, "Yes, yes, no, 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 no. If it hadn't been for your warning, we would have been completely underprepared. Come, come here. So you did you guys just get here? Where were you? You had gone off to the mine. What happened? Where were you? So much poo. 
Jonathan the Magimuscular is uh, saddened to report that sometimes shit happens. <laughs> I'm, you not hear a few chuckles. I'm not even mad. You hear a few <laughs> chuckles around the room and you get the sense from most of the chuckling that these are men who are choosing to see humor in your statement even though maybe they wouldn't have normally. That this is this is a moment that... They... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Escobert uh, says, "Well, you're not kidding about the poo, were you?" No, no, no. We we encountered a lot, a, a lots and lots and lots of poop. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, we but anything you could help us with? Anything that you found? Not really. We found a few what? artifacts that might that might help us in a fight. Uh, just kind of in general. But we didn't find anything that would uh, that we would had, uh, defeated a a uh, dead wizard and his dead dragon, who you know, for as much as they attacked us, you might have thought they were alive and not dead. Uh, he had a book about taming dragons, but we didn't find anything other than his book about whether or not you could actually control them. Nothing more than the previous lead we had where we figure if there's someone in the enemy army that's controlling the dragon with a blue dragon mask, if we can get that mask away from them or kill him and take his mask, then we very well may be able to control the dragon or set it free. And then the rest of the army should be pretty easy to mop up. I did find one thing. I open up my uh, my Dungeoneer's pack and I take out the uh, the skull of Winter God. Well, I didn't find it so much to say as I took it off of the Wender God himself. I don't know if there's any way or any way to be helpful. There might be people in here who know things that I don't, but I figured anything and everything that we found we should disclose. You know, we never know what might be helpful. I think that uh, Carlton should share what he found. Nothing. Uh, you know, we've, we, uh, we've, we did find a mantle, which we had to leave outside of town because it was heavy. Uh, I got a pretty kitty statue. It's so pretty. He also has a bigger butt than he did when we entered the mine. I don't know. I'm the only one. Yeah, I noticed these things. I walk at your butt height. You're walking a little funny there, friend. You want to share with us? I had a, I took grievous wounds while fighting. The mayor turns to the blonde lady next to him, who has been just constantly reminding him to keep his arm in a sling, and motions for her to come around to you, Travancore, to examine the skull. She comes on over. You haven't met her. She's uh, human, blonde hair, blue eyed, um, wearing a a very simple uh, green dress, holds out a hand and says, may I? You may. I hand it over to her. She takes it and studies it for a moment. Jonathan, you can uh, actually recognize the motions she's doing as she is examining the skull. She is doing it from an arcane perspective and eventually hands it back to Travancore and says, if there was once some magic in this, then there is no longer. It is just a skull. I see. Thank you. At this point, Terrace steps up and says... and. and almost salutes to Escobert. She kind of stands up a little straighter. You hear her click her heels together and she says, uh, Sir, I'm here to report. I am very sorry that I'm a bit late. And Escobert says, that's fine, that's fine. How are you feeling? How are all of you feeling? Uh, we've been sending anyone that's not injured out to go patrol around the fort. They're they're the only ones that have been able to, to keep the, the cult off of us. If it wasn't for just holing up in here, they would have attacked long ago. But this is the only place that we've been able to keep safe from them. I'm not trying to be funny, sir, but I feel like shit. The lady looks over you all and says, would you allow me to help? Yes. 
the woman holds out her hands and says, if you would allow me to help, and you feel a very familiar warmth overcome all of you, even Shadow, as she casts Prayer of Healing. Yes! And she casts it on all of you. Uh, and she's actually going to cast it at third level. Does this mean I get spell slots back? No. Do not get spell well, slots. It is only healing. Cool. That's nice. <laughs> so you all get 23 points of health back. Cool. As she casts Prayer of Healing. I was already I, at max. I'm assuming everybody's at max now, right? I was at max, but now the soreness in my rectum has subsided. <laughs> no, that's not how that works. And no, it's going to come back when you have to poop the opal out you shoved up your butt. So As she steps away... The governor speaks up again, and he says, Now that that's taken care of, we need your help. There's still a lot of townspeople in this town that are trapped outside. We've been trying to gather up as many as we can, and, and certainly uh, with, with the warning that we were able to have that this army was coming, we had guards posted around ready for, for just this eventuality. But we were not... There's only so much someone could do against an entire dragon. So we need we need people out there. Any healthy men and women that I've had under my command. Escobert has sent out on scouting missions to try to escort people back into the this keep. This seems to be the only fortified position here, but I'm I'm out of men. I'm out of time. The fires are starting to rage, and I'm afraid that if they attack here, I'm gonna be just up Orcus's shit creek without a paddle. Pardon your situation. Are you are you feeling up to going back out into the town, and Terrace immediately speaks up and says, absolutely, sir, I will do whatever it is that you need. I crack my knuckles, I'm like, I'm always ready. I just have, like, one tiny little question. Yes? Um, do you have a count as to how many people have been gobbled the fuck up or burnt into ash? At this point, the woman speaks up, and she says, the interesting thing about the dragon is that he doesn't seem to be attacking directly, and for that we are grateful, for... If it was to land directly in town, there would be there would be no stopping it. And Escobert nods and says, I I don't know why, it just flies over to the town and breathes lightning and makes everybody super duper afraid. It's been bothering my men this whole time, but as far as I know, it hasn't yet attacked anyone directly. Well, as I think we've it- We've researched everything we can research here, so I'm with uh, I'm with Biggins over there. Let's get out there and see if there's anything we can find just in the course of helping out. Once more onto the breach. <laughs> Escobert and the the mayor turn to each other, and the mayor says, "Do you, do you think that they can clear out the the secret entrance?" And Escobert says, "It's worth a try. Come with me." And the mayor says, "Thank you." I'm going to go back to trying to do something. And the woman has come back over the blonde woman and said, you can go back to trying to rest to that arm. And Escobert actually ushers you out and back downstairs. Hey, Escobert, question for you. In your armory, wherever you guys keep your uniforms, do you have like a pair of like, ex- it, could, it could be used to be terrible, like extra large pants. My loincloth is barely staying on right now <laughs> after all the shit we've been through. He looks at you and he says, and it's covered in shit. I don't know why you would wear something that's all covered in shit. I don't- do I even want to know where you found all this shit? It's a long story. He snaps his fingers at a guard and waves him over. Uh, there's a, a younger man. He's got uh, his- one of his ears and part of his head wrapped up, but he seems to be 
conscious and and coherent and he says go go to the armory grab some grab something that this this man can wear something anything Big on pants. his lower bits All I need is because pants. oh pants pants get this guy some pants that are not covered in poo meet us down by the sally port and he, the kid goes running off and he escobert opens a side door and leads you downstairs down a couple flights of stairs into a cellar uh, it's a very nicely laid out cellar. It's cold, but Hold it's Hold on. Not... We've had a conversation about this before. About cellars? About not fighting in basements. <laughs> <laughs> Escobert speaks up and says that I can assure you that this basement is clear. You can actually see that there are a couple of guards down here. This place is... There's um, no townsfolk, but there are guards, and it's it's not dank. There's some torches lit. It's a very nicely laid out um storeroom essentially he leads you to the back of the storeroom where he feels around on the wall cursing under his breath and he's cursing in dwarvish so carlton you can kind of understand a couple of the curses and then finally he finds a brick on the wall and he presses it in and you hear this grinding noise as part of the wall in in a similar manner manner to the secret entrance that you found at in the Purbeck mine, part of the wall actually slips away and moves. And you can see half a stairway heading down, leading to basically what looks like a sewer, uh, but it's a little bit larger than your normal sewer. It's um looks to be about 10 to 15 feet wide. It's about six or seven feet high. You do see some water running through it, although the water seems to be clean. It doesn't look like it's been dumped into. He points down. You can see the water is running past you and then down off to the north. And he says, this is an old sally port that we've been using to try to get people in and out. Uh, but the gate on the other end has been rusted shut. And this has been a uh, secret entrance that we've had for just these kind of occasions for decades. I've needed someone to go down here and clear anything out that might be here and open up the other side so that we know that we can start shuffling people in in secret. Anyone who comes to the main entrance is liable to be attacked by the kobolds that are out there. If you can clear this and make sure that it's safe for passage, we can tell the guards that are going out to come back in this way. But I don't know what you're going to find down the tunnel, and I need you to be able to clear out the grate on the other end. Is that something that you can think that you can do? If we find trouble, we'll put arrows in it. Jonathan the Magimuscular is confident. This is so <laughs> much better than a basement. Escobert points to behind you, from the entrance that you came to, there is a torch on the wall, and he points to a brick in the wall that, Jonathan, with your with your memory, you'll be able to easily pick out. And he says, I'm going to close this once you go through. This is the brick that will open it from the other side. Just press it in. It'll open the secret passageway back up. Check. All right. And How clean does a sewer water look? I, it looks like river water, actually. It's not... It doesn't look like runoff from what, uh, no, it's not a sewage line. I mean, it's, it's shaped like a sewer, but it doesn't seem to be dirty water. And Terrace says, I had heard of something like this. I believe that this is specifically to bring clean water into the keep for long protracted sieges. So while it's probably not the cleanest, and she looks at herself and you and everybody, I'm pretty sure it's cleaner than we are. 
So I start washing myself. So you jump on in and start washing yourself. After another moment, Escobert moves back out into the the bottom of the keep, and the young gentleman that had run off from before that he had ordered off comes back holding a pair of just basic leather pants. They seem to be able to fit. Uh, they're they're nothing special, but they are pants. All right, I rip off my loincloth and then I go and grab the pants and slip them on. Okay, Terrace doesn't look away. I don't know if the rest of you do. I look away I'm, immediately. I'm gonna grab the um, torch and go. Come on, Henry VIII, let's go kill some fucking rats or shit like that. Fighting in the <laughs> goddamn sewer. Um, Shadow starts to stare at Carlton as he rips off his loincloth, <laughs> and then seeing Travancore look away kind of gives you a, a sly look and then looks away too. You put on the pants. They are a little snug. They're probably for someone about your size, but, you know, they'll fit. And if you guys are ready, uh, Terrace will join you in the water. Escobert is going to back out with the gentleman that he was with and says something in Dwarvish, which uh, Carlton and Bernie, you recognize as basically him saying good luck. And he says, I hope to see you soon. And you see him find the brick and press it and the door starts to close. All right. You guys are standing in a dimly lit tunnel. Uh, there's about five feet of, well, less than that. It's about three feet of semi-clean running river water coming through. You can see down the stretch of this tunnel is, it basically goes off into darkness, but it seems to be fairly straight. And what would you guys like to do? Let's... Proceed down the tunnel slowly, and that way, if anything does, like, pop out, we can deal with it. Bernie, do you want to be in the basket, or do you want to be in the water? Oh, yeah. Two great choices right here. Um, I prefer some freedom of movement. How tall? How tall? How how tall? How tall is the water? Um, <laughs> how deep is the water? Says the girl who swam for almost 20 years of her life. So the bottom of this tunnel is a little curved. At its deepest, the water is about three feet, maybe two and a half. So it would be difficult for you to move through, but it's not impossible. If you stay towards the edges, you'll be moving slower. But at, at that point, you're kind of up towards the, the side of this wall, and it's maybe only a half a foot. Is there headroom for me to be in the basket? Um, there is, but it would be awkward for you to get in and out. So if you did want to get out in a hurry, that could be a problem. All right, we'll just suck it up and wade. Let some of the shit right, okay. wash off of when me we're the shit, drinking we'll, we'll water of these people. We can just pull a string and you can drop out the bottom of it. We'll, 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 we'll workshop that later. We'll yeah. go to that crazy asshole's, like, uh, emporium and see what he's got on sale. <laughs> crazy Cedric, you mean? Crazy you seem to have it. found a lot of his stuff in those bags back at the at the entrance. We uh, did, but yeah. We... All right. So you guys are are you trying to be sneaky? Are you trying to go quickly? What are you trying to do? I think we're just going slowly in a deliberate pace so to the danger pops up. I don't know how if we're being extra sneaky or not. I mean, because the whole point is to clear out we're things. Looking for a fight, yeah. Yeah. So let's just Henry the Fifth over here is ready to like knock some skulls so yeah we go at a normal pace i guess with uh, not too fast but not too slow either what what is our marching order here uh, uh, i guess the... i'll take the lead okay. i want to be in a middle place in case i float away and someone can catch me 
Terrace will shoulder to shoulder with Carlton. It's the actual tunnel is 15 ish feet wide. It's more like 13. So basically two people can go with the option of a third being able to scooch around them. So we got Carlton and, and Terrace up front. Bernie, you kind of want to be in the middle. Uh, Jonathan, you want to be towards the front or the rear? Towards the rear. You're going to catch me if I start, if I get a, if I get a riptide. Yeah. <laughs> and Travis. Yeah, Shadow and I will take the back. Carlton and, and Terrace, and then behind them, Bernie, and then behind them, Jonathan, and then behind them, Travancore and Shadow? Yep. All right. So you guys are marching down this um, this old tunnel. It's wet. It's dark. Bernie's got the torch that she pulled off, and it's kind of your only source of light. I'd like you all to roll me perception checks. Ooh, I'm good at this one. Like, does my dark vision play at all with my check or no? Will that give me advantage? No. Okay. But- I know most of you have dark vision, and so what you can see, this is... Perception is usually less about what you can see, and more about what you take note of. Gotcha. You need perception for Shadow, too? I would love a perception for Shadow, and I will roll one for Terrace. Okay. So, uh, Jonathan, do you have any, like, spells for some, like, magical water wingies? Uh, not, not as much. <laughs> Floaties? <laughs> That's great, Shadow. Shadow Shadow's just one. enamored. Shadow, Shadow saw Carlton's dick and has been distracted ever since. Clearly, <laughs> uh-huh. Shadow keeps giving Carlton appreciative, like, like, yeah, bro looks. <laughs> yeah, all right. Mad respect. Like, he'd fist bump you if he could. Carlton's little, like, cub, like, he's having, he's going through, pu- not Carlton, but uh, Shadow's going through puberty, have his little cub sexual awakening because of Carlton over here. <laughs> All right, Terrace unfortunately rolled a four, so she is very distracted by Shadow being distracted. Uh, Carlton. She's giggling. She's like, the bear wants to have sex with you. And Travancore. 21. And Jonathan. 11. And Bernie. 14. Travancore, you're actually, as everybody moves on down and everyone is in various states of thinking about the state of the town, about the state of what's in Carlton's pants, you notice something moving up ahead the tunnel itself has started to rise just a little bit and curve off to the left and you can see just around the corner on the very edge of your dark vision you see movement it's not human sized movement it's not a humanoid it does seem to be something fairly large moving amongst the the water and it's 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 a dark shape Amongst dark shadows. You can't really make out anything distinct. Something up ahead, guys. Be on the ready. Uh, I ready my axe and pour on the little bit of poison that I have. Okay, so you've got some poison on your axe for the next minute. I have my bow and arrow draw, drawn as well. Are you moving forward or are you going to stay where you are? I'll press forward a little bit just to see what we're up against. Just you or is everybody just going to keep pressing forward? I'm going. Let's do this shit. Uh, Terrace nods and says, yes, I... I feel the need to start doing something instead of just listening to the destruction. And as you all move forward, you get a view of the thing that's kind of in front of you. It's big. It's big for what it is. It seems to be a beetle of some sort. It's got a a black carapace with a giant, basically horn on the end of its nose. It's got several legs kind of skittering through the water. It's almost as tall as shadow but it's kind of this big bulbous round thing and it skitters across the the water to one side and as you approach it it stops and it goes to charge you and so we can all roll initiative oh initiative that's the thing i gotta do initiative is a thing 
Terrace actually gets a decent initiative. Hmm. Good job, it's not Terrace. Bad for Terrace. No, for her, a 10 is fucking amazing. A double digit is great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Travancore. 11. Bernie? That's a something. Oh, I got a 16. And Jonathan? 16. And my modifier is 2. B- Bernie, what's your modifier? Nothing. All right. So Jonathan's going to go first. Carlton? 21. Okay. In descending order, Carlton. Thanks to Travancore uh, giving you guys a warning, you see this thing, or you see actually uh, two of them up ahead as they start to charge towards you. What would you like to do? All right, so we're like in a sewer. It's kind of, it's rounded, right? Yeah, there's enough room to move. As I said, it's about 13 to 15 feet at its at its widest on the ground, and then it's a good seven-ish feet tall. So you've got, you've got plenty of room to move. So I want to kind of like run through diagonally up the side. And then kind of come down and bring my axe onto the first one. Okay. Um, Make me an acrobatics check. 11. Okay. You start to kind of run up the side of this wall, but it's it's slick. I mean, this is kind of a causeway for water. And you slip a little bit. You don't fall, but this cool, like, monkish maneuver you're trying for kind of involves you skidding to a stop in front of what now you can very clearly see is in front of you a giant beetle. All right. So instead of kind of skid to a stop, instead of coming down, I'm just going to kind of swing away, you know. All right. As I see Go ahead and melee roll an attack. attack. Uh, it will hit for a le- or uh, 11. That's what I rolled. That actually hits. All right. Uh, and then it will hit what? four. Really? It'll hit for six. Okay. They're beetles. You crack down on its carapace, leaving a, a gaping wound that you see this kind of thick black ichor start to ooze out, and it's disgusting. And if you are done, would you like to do anything else? Uh, Yeah, I think I'm good for now. All right, Jonathan, it's your turn. Well... These things seem pretty easy to hit, so I'm going to come up. I can't quite get into flanking. I can only get, like, at the same row where where Carlton is. So there? So there. And okay. Well, that'll hit the fuck out of it, apparently. <laughs> 23 will definitely hit. Wow, four damage. <laughs> All right. Damage dice are not being kind. You whack it across its other side, hoping to do kind of the same amount of damage. And it, it definitely hurts, but the crack doesn't go all the way through to uh, what's underneath. Anything else? That's it. Bernie, what's what would you like to do? I'm going to cast Sacred Flame. If these are dexterous, I'm going to be mad. Which one are you casting it on? The closer one or the further the away one? The closer one. All right. They're actually not very dexterous. In fact, that's a six. Oh, that's going to hit. That's going to hit. That's going to hit right. for whatever the fuck damage. Fuck. I forgot it's... to roll my poison damage. Damn it. Um, oh, well. Blah, 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 1d8. So it's not going to be a lot, but I'm not going to waste a spell slot. I'll let you roll it on the next one, but from now on, you need to remember. I know, I know. Two. Your holy light streaks out through this dark tunnel, lighting it up and just slamming into this thing. Would you like to do anything else? No, I'm just going to chill here for now. All right. It is their turn. The one that's being attacked by both Carlton and Jonathan is going to go after Carlton. Uh, He's going to try to gore you with that horn of his. Maybe he'll dislodge that opal up your butt. That a 17. Does that hit? Uh, That matches. So, yes. Uh, He's going to do 11 slashing damage. Okay. The other one, 20 feet, 5, 10. 
Oh, okay. He cannot charge. Because it's water. Uh, actually, because he just doesn't have enough room. Oh, well, it's also water. I mean, people move slower in water. These things don't seem to have that problem. They're good Even swimmers. Even though they barely they're not actually swimming you can see their legs you can see kind of these big claws on the front almost like crab claws and this giant horn even though only half of them kind of come out of the water they seem to move through it just fine uh carlton this other one's going to move up to you and try to gore you but that's a 10 that's not gonna hit all right travancore it's your turn all right so i want shadow to try and move up and try and help out my guys in the front he can't get all the way but i want him to move as much as he can towards towards these guys Behind Carlton. What's his movement again? Uh, 30. 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. Yep, he can't quite reach them, but the next round he definitely okay, will. Okay, cool. All right, and then I, because this is my answer to everything, am going to shoot uh, the guy that they've been focusing on, the one who's between Carlton and um, Jonathan the Magimuscular with a arrow. Sure thing. If it ain't broke, don't wow. fix it, man. Nine. Nine, unfortunately, does not hit. It, bing, off its carapace, flies down the, the tunnel. Dang. Maybe fix it a little bit. All right. Well, I was critical of all the little damage you've been doing, but at least you guys hit, so I'm done. All right. Terrace is going to move up. She... 25, 5, 10, 15. She can just barely move up. So, Jonathan, she's going to squeeze past you and move right there and pull out her Warhammer. And that's def- that's a 19. That'll definitely hit. Uh, seven damage. Not a ton of damage better than two damage and carlton is back to you so correct me uh if i'm wrong it does not count as flanking if there's two enemies between me and terrace right no they've got to be on opposite sides in order for the okay. flanking conga line to start i want to flanking conga line by bananaing around without going out for opportunity to the guy basically right behind where the other guy is so the, unfortunately, this whole tunnel is just under 15 feet terrace was able to kind of swing through jonathan because you can move through your friends you can't gotcha. move through enemies though so unless you want to move across them in you know through jonathan and Terrace and all the way around where that thing will get an attack of opportunity on you you can't actually move to the other side all right that's fine i'll just i'll just uh poison axe smash it all right the one you've been working on yeah let's go with that guy okay or hmm now let's go with the one right in front of me who hasn't been hit yet okay fuck 10 damn it it does not hit. You're, uh, you, you were indecisive about your movement, and so it kind of threw off your swing a little bit, and it just skitters off of the, the height of this thing. Jonathan, what would you like to do? I move to... Uh, oh, shoot. I should have had you delay, Carlton. Uh, yeah, I yeah. should have had Carlton delay so I could move into flanking, since he's our aviator. We'll remember that for next time, but I am yeah. going to move into flanking. With Carlton? Yes. All right, so you move to there, staying within five feet of the thing, so it does not And I give it a whack. Whack away. With advantage. Critfish. Yep. Eh, eh, fine. <laughs> but a 16 definitely hits. Go ahead and roll damage. What the fuck? Fuck the damage dice, seriously. Fuck the damage dice. All right, you keep wailing away on the one side, just, you know, cracking its, its outside more and more and more, looking for the gooey center. Unless you'd like to do anything else. Bernie, it's your turn. I'm going to cast Sacred Flame again. On the same guy? On the same guy, yes. All right, dexterity saving throw <laughs> is a <No>. one. <laughs> Roll damage. All right. Three. I'm improving. All right. I blame the wet climate. 
for the lack of damage. Your aim is true, but you just can't seem to find just the right spot. Meanwhile, these guys are going to continue to to whack away. One of them, Carlton, the one in front of you, is going to try to go after you. Is that a 14 to hit? That will not. All right. The other one, Jonathan, since you moved past it, is going to try to gore you. That's a 15 to hit. That'll hit. All right. That's 13 slashing damage as as you Damn. move past, he butts you, wow. butts you with his horn. Yeah, they hit That hard. injures me very badly. That does. Yeah, that it does. not fun. Travancore, it is your turn. All right. I should have just enough movement for Shadow that he should be able to move to Taris's left and Jonathan's left and Banana around to get in front of the one who's in front of uh, Carlton. That about right? Uh, Yeah. He can do that because then he'll stay within five. So he kind of, it's a super tight fit. And I would, you know, he manages to squeeze past Terrace and around Jonathan. They, you know, Terrace practically like, you know, has to um, move into the bug in order to let him around. But he, he does get around and he is now in flanking. Yeah, so now he has advantage on his attacks. He does. And he's going to go for a full attack. All okay. Right, so first the bite. Do, 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 do. Will a 10 hit? Ten does not hit. He goes to bite down, and the the his muzzle just slams into this thing. Well, luckily, uh, he has but a you claw do have advantage. Too. Yeah, the lowest oh, that I, I can roll again. Yeah, right, I forgot about that. Yep. So roll again for the advantage. Fifteen. Fifteen hits. Go ahead and roll damage on the bite, and then we'll do the claw. Six damage. All right. This thing uh, has been bitten. Go ahead and do the claw. All right. Twenty-four. That crit definitely fish. hits. Critfish. Critfish. Right. Oh, critfish. Yeah. yeah, you came close. Not quite. All right, that's no big deal. Eight damage. Nice. Shadow just tears into this thing, actually manages to pull off one of its legs um, with a swipe of its claw, and it is suddenly looking very hurt. Travancore calls out, good bear, Shadow, and ends his turn. And I say, good job, little shit bear. <laughs> and Shadow, with like the claw of this beetle in its um, in its paw, then reaches down with its mouth and like shakes it like a dog. Shadow reaches down and thinks, if I keep doing such a good job, I'll probably get to see Carlton's dick again. <laughs> it's a We've never really explored Shadow's sexuality, have we? It's fluid. <laughs> He's a some, bear. This is some terrifying fan fiction coming down the pike. <laughs> I know. Terrace is going to take a swipe at the one next to her, and with a 15, she hits... And she's going to do six damage, and this thing is looking pretty hurt as she just pounds into it. And Carlton, it is your turn. Uh, now that I have advantage with uh, my buddy Shadow, I'm going to crash my axe into this carapace of this beetle and hopefully explore the gooey insides. All right. Uh, a 10 and a 12. <laughs> the 12 hits. Yay for advantage. All right. And it's going to hit for 15. Awesome. Uh, and then DC 10 constitution saving throw. That'd be a 16. All right. So well, the DC not, was 10. So Yeah, he's not poisoned. They're not poisoned. All right. Jonathan, would you like to hit the one you're flanking with? Let's do that. Let's end this little biatch. All right. So I hit it with a 23, 5. All right. You bring your staff down and you actually manage to uh, find one of the cracks in the carapace and just insert your staff into it and kind of rummage around a little bit and stir up some insides. And it it makes this horrible screeching noise kind of <laughs> and it falls over dead. 
Woo! Got a kill. <laughs> Anything else you want to do? Let me see. I'm going to scooch over and be next to the other one. There All we right. go. Oh, Jonathan, stay there until your turn. That way he can't get you. It could still scooch and get me anyway. Right, but then we would have a tax of opportunity on it. It could move the five feet, technically, and go after him. Um, although, I will say, as you guys have watched these things fight, they do seem to be giant beetles of some sort, and their intelligence is pretty low, so there is a decent chance that they wouldn't necessarily go after somebody far away, that they're kind of going after the, the closest thing. Eh, they can get me if they want. All right, Bernie, it is your turn. All right, I'm also going to still cast Sacred Flame because these don't see like they're worth burning a spell slot on, so... All right. Pew, pew. Dexterity saving throw is a five. Doesn't hit. It does. Or doesn't miss, or, or it hits, but it doesn't. Does. Okay, I got a six damage. Doesn't save. That's does the thing. Does not save. Doesn't do the thing where it doesn't get hit. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> that's the, that's Stuff. the ticket. Fire. Flames. <laughs> Anything else? That's it. <laughs> okay. It is its turn. It does not know what to go after. All right. I'm going to roll a d6. If it's a one or a two, it's going after Shadow. If it's a three or four, it's going after Carlton. If it's a five or six, it's going after Jonathan. All right, Jonathan. Well, <laughs> coming after you. Bring it. Oh, man, this is going to be fun. I can't wait to burn a spell slot saving Jonathan's life. <laughs> Fortunately, it only rolls a nine, and so you are able to just dodge its horn as it tries to uh, stab you. And so, Travancore, it's your turn. Travancore has learned the lessons that uh, that advantage in flanking offers, so Shadow is going to attack. Full full attack this time. All right, let's see here. So we're going to do the bite first. Uh, 10 will not hit. 10 will not hit, but roll with advantage. Oh, that's right. Eight. Ah, oh, we suck again. Sadly, it misses. All right, well, that's still got a, still got a claw. Still got a claw. Go for it, Shadow. Ha <laughs> ha, 24. And, and crit fish. Crit fish. Same thing. <laughs> oh, so close. All right, bring down that claw. Here comes a beautiful damage. Let's see. Doopadoo. Eight. Uh, how would Shadow like to do this? Nice. As Matt Mercer would say. All right, Shadow's eyes get really loud. Like, he wants to prove he's useful again. He had that near-death experience in the... In the so he he, uh, he brings forth his mighty paw, and he brings it down on this thing's head, like, past the horn, and, like, just shatters, like, whatever passes as for an exoskeleton, and then bug guts, like, splash all over the place. A little bit gets on Carlton's new pants, but that's okay, because he's dead. I'm okay with that. And then Shadow looks at Carlton and is like, you want me to lick those bug guts off your pants, man? And I look at Shadow and I'm like, don't worry, buddy. They weren't going to be new forever. You write your fan fiction on your own time. (laughs) (laughs) Shadow does just that. And it's amazing. And for a second, the entire inside of this um, tunnel is just coated in the black goo of bug guts. And you guys are uh, so you guys get experience for these bugs. You also get experience for agreeing to help out the town instead of just deciding to flee. So you get a total of 1,000 experience for the four of you. Hold on. Fleeing was an option? <laughs> <laughs> of course it was. We could have just frigged off like we did that I one time. I believe that I recommended we flee in the very beginning. And you guys were like, no, Julia, we have to be good people. And I was like, actually, no, we don't. And I feel guilty about screwing over a box canyon some time ago, so I won't let that happen again. You said a thousand total for all of us? Thousand total split amongst the four of you. Uh, You are standing in a tunnel filled with bug guts. Uh, You've just kind of, in order to meet up with where these bugs were as they attacked you, you've come around the slight curve. And now you can see very far in the distance, probably about... 
150 feet in the distance, the end of this tunnel. You can see the grate and a little glimmer of daylight. And uh, what would you like to do? Well, I think we press onward. Okay. I agree with Henry. Same order you were before, kind of fighters up front, Travancore in the rear, and the squishy people in between? Yeah. Okay. Are you guys just uh, charging forward? You sneaking forward? What are you doing? I don't think there's really sneaking to be done in water. I just, I mean, I know that's like, theoretically, we could roll a sneak check that's like, man, you fucking sneaky. But (laughs) I just think we need to do like an alertness, like a slow alertness. I'd rather be like highly perceptive because we're going to kill this shit anyway. I'd just rather be like on alert. Can we do an on alert style walk? No, but here's what I'll say. Go ahead and... Roll me a stealth check anyway with the idea that you're trying to not just be quiet, but be very perceptive of what's going on around you. Drink! Oh. And apparently John and Jonathan rolled a natural 20. Julia oh, shit. critically... And Terrace rolled a natural 20 uh. on her stealth check. Everybody drink. Yeah, mine's actually uh, 23. Oof. Okay, so Terrace rolled a natural 20, which gives her a 20. Bernie, what'd you roll? Bernie... Failed. Uh, Bernie one. got a one, uh, which I think for a gnome trying to move through sewage water is more than appropriate. <laughs> Jonathan, what'd you get? 23. Travancore? Travancore rolls a 21 and is in natural form. However, Shadow, still distracted by his success with the bugs, is too proud, is humming to himself, and rolled a four. <laughs> and Carlton? I rolled a 22. All right. Shadow and Bernie are doing... Are, are less successful at staying quiet. Because I'm like, shit bear, will you shut up? And and um, Shadow is like... <laughs> <laughs> um, but the rest of you manage to usher the two of them along and make your way to the end of the tunnel. And, and I would like everybody to roll me perception checks. <laughs> oh, finally something I'm good at. Watch me crit fail this too. I crit failed it, so. Well, I didn't crit fail, but it surely didn't do well. Terrace rolled a 16. Bernie? I got an 8. And Jonathan? 15. And Travancore and Shadow? 20 unnatural for Travancore and an 18 for Shadow. <laughs> wow. And Carlton? Shadow? 5. Which All is right. a natural 1. Um, as you guys approach the grate, being, you know, fairly stealthy, uh, especially, I mean, most of your roles are super high. Most of you are doing a really good job. Travancore, you distinctly hear voices outside of the grate. And you can't quite make out what they're saying just yet. But you, you can very clearly hear two voices. And as you get a little closer... You can make out that one of them seems to be a a female of some sort, maybe human, humanoid. Uh, the other has a more deeply gravelly voice. Trevin or Montserrat. No, they're not actually oh. voices you recognize. Sadly, they are. Oh. You don't recognize them at all. Do you want to? You're at this point about twenty five feet from the grate as you you kind of stop and you hear these voices. Uh, what would you like to do? I tell my comrades, hush, hush, keep it down now. Voices carry, and I motion towards the, uh... What? Okay. Are you all going to move forward? Yeah, no one got my yeah. Indian reference. <laughs> I move it. I move forward. I was going to go Pirates of Penzance. I was going to go, hush, hush, not a word. I see a light inside, but that's me. Okay, you all move forward quietly, and as you approach the grate, Travancore, you kind of 
lead the way a little bit since you heard these voices and you managed to peer outside. Uh, the sun is reaching close to dinner time. You're maybe a, a, an hour or two from from true nighttime uh, as you get into the winter months and you don't see anyone immediately outside. This grate and the water that comes through here seems to lead towards the edge of the town and you kind of vaguely recognize the area as being by the nearby mill, but you don't see anybody. But as you approach closer and you hear the voices, you you can actually hear that they're they seem to be above you. So as this tunnel exits, the there's obviously something right above you, and you hear these voices, and you hear you hear them talking, um, and you hear the female say, "Stop being so impatient. He'll come." You hear a more gravelly voice say, I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to keep him under control. The female says, He served his purpose, and when the time... Oh. And after a moment, you guys hear a very familiar sound. You hear... And the ground shakes... And the whole tunnel kind of shakes a little bit as something lands on top of you, basically. You see bits of pieces of mortar shake loose from the tunnel. The water inside sloshes to the side uh, back and forth as something has just shaken the ground. The voices speak up again. And you hear the one say, It's about time we've been calling you for the last five minutes. And now a third voice speaks up. It's a deep, loud voice that can almost shakes the earth, but it comes out in a very urbane manner. And you hear this voice say, Well, dear boy, have you been waiting that long? I should have made you wait a little longer. I ordered you back here five minutes ago, and I don't want you disobeying me. You told me to circle the town and keep these pathetic peons frightened, and that's exactly what I've been doing. What else have you wanted me to do? Come be your lapdog? You seem to be to have someone doing that just fine. And there's a moment where you actually hear, like, growling going on above you, and then the woman says, That's enough. We called you down here not to argue, but there are problems that need to be taken care of. Oh, problems? Is it that those disgusting kobolds can't seem to do anything right? Or those cultists or whatever you call them, they seem to be totally unprepared for what's going on in this town. I swear, if it wasn't for me, this whole thing would have just failed miserably hours ago. Enough! You will go over to the tavern district. There is a warlock there that is causing problems. Shut her down. You can't just order me like a lapdog, you know. I have my own way of doing things. You may have your own way of doing things. But if you disobey us much more, then your beloved will pay the price. And there is a very long pause. And it's even not being able to see whatever is going on. It's uncomfortable and tense. And then after a moment... 
you hear the the giant deep voice say, Every moment that you hold that over me is another moment that I care less and less. Speak carefully, dragon man, because one of these days you will provoke me and I will turn you into lunch. And then the female voice speaks up and says, But until that day comes, you will please go to the taverns and take care of what's going on over there. We're having a hard enough time as it is. Ew, fine. <clears throat> if you insist, maybe I'll be able to hear some good music while I'm there. These kobolds can't sing with a damn. And then the ground shakes as you feel something fly up into the air and you hear... And a moment passes, and you hear one more time the, the gruff voice say, Fontorvec isn't going to pay much attention to us for much longer. And the female says, Then we will use him and discard him when we must. For the moment, let's do what we came to do and get out of here before we have too many more losses. And Travancore, you actually can hear footsteps as whoever is above you walks away. And after a couple of tense minutes waiting, it finally goes quiet again. Harris, in a shaky voice that you haven't heard her be this scared at all, in all of the things that you've encountered, says, Was that what I think it was? I'm almost certain it was I a think British that's dragon. Ex- yes, I think that's exactly what you thought it was. Um, so... Jonathan the Magimuscular feels that the grate is clear, so let's open it real quick, and then we gotta ward Dovine and the tavern that they, that's a dragon coming for him. Beeline it to the tavern district. Okay, you guys approach the grate, and you can see that there is a, a lock on it, but it's down towards the bottom left-hand side where the water has been running through. It's very clearly rusted to hell. It's maybe been years since this thing has been opened. Uh, what would you like to do? I want to try to break it open. Okay. Are you just trying to break it open, not a care in the world? You're going to try to be quiet about it? What would you like to do? Uh, I'm just going. I want to get to Dorvine as fast as I can and the, our friends, so I'm just going to try to wretch it open. Okay, go ahead and... So you're going to grab hold of it and try to pull? Uh, I guess maybe use the butt of my axe to kind of break the lock. Okay, then go ahead and roll me an attack. 19. Your aim is true. Maybe the the thought of your friends being in trouble has kind of spurned you into just your, your focus is right. And you, bing, and the thing breaks and shatters into rust and falls away. Um, and when you experimentally push on the grate, it... It's open now, but it is still kind of rusted and hasn't been moved in who knows how long. Uh, If you want to go ahead and push it open, I'm going to need a strength check. All right. Strength check it is. Natural 20. Nice. Everybody drink. So that's a 25 total. Age and time are no match for Carlton and his mighty muscles. And in fact, you are... You, you grab hold of the grate and you actually bend a few of the bars just under the, the grip of your hands and push it open slowly through the mud and the silt. And you're so controlled in your anger. You're kind of, you're very used to fury and anger fueling yourselves that, that you manage to 
push it open just enough to get everybody through, but it, it still actually kind of will look from the outside at a cursory glance, glance anyway, that it is still closed. Cool. That's the uh, best case yeah, scenario. I protect my path, you know? Yeah. I want to beeline it towards the tavern district. Wait a minute. Like, going to the tavern district where the, where the dragon is, is going, when we can probably track the other two people and then take them down, they're presumably controlling the dragon. If we get rid of them, then the dragon's no longer an issue. Are they really controlling the dragon? I mean, we could probably convince the dragon to turn on them. The dragon sounds pretty reasonable. Yeah. I mean, I trust a British man or a British dragon. Or he kills us and we just go after these two guys. There's something that they have that's calling the dragon back, though. So, right? so if we go after them, they'll call the dragon back and then we're in trouble. But at least Orvina's safe because the dragon comes back. Do you but think... But he also doesn't come back in a timely manner. He kind of comes and goes when he wants to. We know where the dragon is going and we need to warn our friends. Yeah. I'm going to the tavern. I have three spell slots. Just going to throw that out there. So I'm going to be mostly useless here. You're never useless, Jules. You can always do something. Can I, like, stealthily, like, try and track these two people, like, and stay out of sight while, and then send Shadow to warn them when I, you know, once I... I don't think we should split the party if there's a dragon involved. You leave the the grate and kind of get on top of the rise. You guys are over by the old mill. It's it's kind of a more open area. You can see the the town in front of you. It would be just a couple minutes walk over to where the taverns are. And if you want to roll me, go ahead and roll me a, a nature check. Just Travancore or all of us? Uh, well, Travancore, the, he's the one who asked for it. He's trying to track the, the footsteps of the people. And Jonathan the Magimuscular is already running. That's what I was, I was running too, so... Natural 20. Nice. Drink. So, hold on. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not trying to be grumpy, but two people who are hardcore, like, against splitting the party, I understand, like, that's the decision. But if we're sitting here, like, talking out of character, no actual time is passing in terms of making our decision as to what to do. So maybe, like, why is it suddenly that you guys are, like, either A, cool with splitting the party, or B, just deciding that you're going to do it and make us follow The problem you. is that if we track, that takes time. We, we're a minute... Okay, we're then a make the argument walk. for doing it, and don't just be like, I'm running away while someone else is deciding to try to do something. Like, make the real argument instead of just being kind of... The, a- the argument is that we, we don't have time. We know where the dragon is going, and we're not far to warn our friends. We, can pro- we might not have to fight this dragon. It has, its behavior is clearly not that, it's off. And Escobert said it was off. And even when we heard this conversation, something else is going on. They don't need the dragon to kill everyone. But they need, but they're sending the dragon to deal with one of our friends, who I think is powerful enough to take him if if she's ready. I think if we go and and warn her, then either she convinces the dragon to switch sides, or she kills it. All right. So I already rolled my with che- our help. So I already rolled my check. So the very no- if nothing else, I can go with you, catch up with you once I know what direction they're heading. Assuming. So let me. Yeah. So let me say this. This is what happens. You guys leave the grate and climb the little bit of the rise to go on top. Travancore, it takes you but a moment to survey the territory. Um, The ground is pretty dry, but you're an expert at this. And in the moment or two that Bernie and Jonathan have this conversation, I know you were saying it was out of character, but I, I let's say for the moment it takes you but 20 seconds to have this conversation. 
you survey the land and you see two sets of tracks that would match up to two beings who were originally standing over you, who then walked off, that seem to be next to four sets of giant, what are very obvious to you, dragon prints, uh, because I know that's your favorite enemy. So you would immediately recognize these dragon prints. And then the two sets of tracks, one of them seems to be a human of some sort. The other seems to be lizard-like it's a little weird it's not something that you've encountered before they move off towards a different part of the town so it would be off to your right to not directly to the right but kind of northeast to go to where the running king is they're heading northwest uh and so in the 20 seconds that you have this discussion travancore kind of surveys the territory what's your decision what do you guys who's doing what I think if we go, we should all go together because, yes, all signs point to the dragon being, like, talked out of crap. But if we're depending on roles to talk it out of crap and the roles go wrong, then we're fighting it. So we shouldn't split the party. However, Travancore, are you cool abandoning the tracking for now and trying to pick up where you left off later? Trail might go cold. Um, but you're right. Dorveen probably need, needs our help. I, I should be able to pick it up again. These guys don't seem to have it all together. So let's go as a group. That's the thing. Even if we do have to fight it, we'll have Dorveen, we'll have Uncera, we'll have Terrace. more friends. Yeah. Terrace. You know what I mean? Our party size attacking it will be larger. All right. All right. Let's go. As you guys head off towards the Running King, that's where we'll end tonight. We'll pick it up next week on Dungeons & Dragons & Drunks. Thanks for listening to Dungeons & Dragons & Drunks. Follow us on Twitter, at Dungeon Drunks, or at our host podcast, at Glibshark or www.glibshark.com and see you next encounter.